got to start with the video. Anybody apart from Daniel know the name of the man? Redmond, yeah. Derek Redmond. So you might be giving away your age a little bit if you remember that because 1992 Summer Olympics. And the athlete there was Derek Redmond, incidentally a multiple gold medalist at world championship level in the 4x400 relays as well, multiple silver medalist as well a man who later went on to represent Great Britain in basketball as well. Bit of a legend. I don't remember that happening. I'm too young. <laughs> <coughs> Had to get that in there, didn't I? I'll pay for that. But, but what we witnessed there was Derek Redmond, and that was the 400 metres, and, and that was just the heat strike. That wasn't the final. Uh, and about 15 seconds in, so around a third of the way around, those guys finished at about 45 seconds there hamstring 
Anyone here who's ever had a hamstring injury, you'll know how it feels because it's just, it's like you've been shot in the back of the leg and you feel it and he pulled up straight away and as the camera pans back to him and all the other guys continue to run on, you see him just collapsed in a heap on the floor and uh, I didn't watch all of that because it gets me every time I watch it when he stands up and when he realises my dream is finished and the man who comes to help, Jim, another legend, that's his dad. Uh, and some of you kind of giggled there a little bit when, when the officials were getting them off the pitch and Jim was like, get your hands off him, he's my boy and I'm finishing this race with him. Jim comes to give him support and encouragement and help and when his dad holds him and you see his face crumpled up, a grown man in tears, it's always a, a hard thing to watch. Derek Redman would later say, looking back on that infamous and that famous day, he would say, I finished last but at least I finished. At least I finished. Now, the Olympic record officially shows DQ next to his name. That means disqualified. You're not allowed help from external sources in the Olympics. So because he'd had help from his dad, technically he was disqualified. But he did not get DNF, which if any of you have done any races, you'll know means did not finish. He persevered, he kept going, and he finished the course. We'll come back to Derek in a bit. Let's read from Hebrews in chapter 3. For the students who are not from Newcastle, this is a Newcastle accent. I will speak slowly and clearly. <laughs> I will do my best. You've had Welsh already. You've had whatever that was that Daniel's got. <laughs> if it's south of Durham, we don't understand. We'll read Hebrews chapter 3 and we'll read the first six verses. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, who we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. And we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Great words from the book of Hebrews. Let me start then with a little bit of, of background and context of kind of the bigger picture of, of this book of, of Hebrews. If you've been here in previous weeks, you'll know that whoever wrote this letter is an unknown author. We, we have no idea who they were. And the people that this author was writing to were unknown people. However, we can easily figure out from reading the text that these people were Jews who had trusted in the Lord Jesus and converted to become Christians. They had come to the natural progression of the Jewish religion. The person they'd been waiting for, Messiah, the Savior, he had arrived and they had put their faith in him and now they were Christians. And these Christians who had been brought up as Jews, they are under immense pressure to quit 
to throw in the towel, to give in. And so one of the key themes in the whole letter that's written in the book of Hebrews is do not give in. Don't drift away. Don't stop meeting together as a church. Don't throw in the towel on Jesus. Don't renounce your faith. The thought is keep going all the time. Keep pressing on. Keep soldiering on. Keep going. Finish the race that's ahead of you. Keep the faith. Trust in Jesus. He is awesome. That theme is written right across the book. Jesus Christ is superior. He's better than everyone and anything. It's the big, huge thought that God is bringing to our attention from this book. Well, in the strict context of these people being Jews that were Christians, the writer is saying, what you've had in the past was good. But all of your Jewish religion was, was pointing forward. They were types and they were shadows. The writer is saying the real thing is now here. You've had the law, you've had the prophets, you've had the temple and the tabernacle and the sacrifices and the Ten Commandments and the promises and the land, all these things that you've had. But they're saying, look, the real thing is now here. Jesus is better than anything you've ever had before. He is superior. So don't give up. Be like Derek Redman. When you are struggling, when you are down on one knee and you feel like you can't go on, press on, persevere, hold fast to the Lord Jesus. Keep your faith, keep your profession. That's the big picture theme in this book of Hebrews. What you have now is better. Jesus is superior. Now let me give you three reasons why Jesus is worth clinging on to from the Bible. I think we're going to get a few verses popping up here. Maybe Isaiah 40 is going to come on the screen here. He's worth clinging on to. He's worth holding on to as our saviour because when we are down, he gives us the strength to keep going. Now Anastasia did this beautiful artwork on the wall here of the eagle and it's, it's Isaiah chapter 40. Even young men, even strong men, get weak and get tired and stumble and fall. But Isaiah reminds us, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. The Bible speaks of his strength being made perfect in our weakness. Now, if you're finding the road difficult today, if the path is hard, if you feel like you have no strength at all, cling to Jesus. God says his strength becomes perfect in our own weakness. And you know what? It is okay to say that we have weaknesses, many of them, lots of them, regularly. It is okay to acknowledge before God we've heard of a Savior who uh, is gentle towards us. It's okay that we aren't the real deal and the finished article and the bee's knees. God knows who we are. His strength empowers us when we're weak. So don't give in because he gives us strength. Secondly, don't give in because Jesus has given us an example. And the verse should be coming up on the screen, I hope, any second. Hebrews chapter 12. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, this verse says. Let me just quote from the bottom there. It speaks of the Lord Jesus enduring the contradiction of sinners against himself. Enduring the cross enduring shame that men sought to throw upon him, enduring agony as he bore our sins on the cross. 
Don't give up on the Lord Jesus because he gives us strength to continue. Don't give up on him because he's left us an example of perseverance. More than Derek Redman, even though it was great perseverance, the Lord Jesus endured to the end. He suffered and he kept going and he kept going and he kept going. He would not give in. The Bible says he set his face steadfastly to Jerusalem. He knew everything that was going to take place at Calvary. He would not renege one bit. He left us an example. And thirdly, don't give up on the Lord Jesus. This is great. In the grace of God, those who trust him, he rewards. This is incredible. The God who gives us the strength to keep going, the God who gives us an example to follow, then gives us reward when we follow in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus. Again, these verses from Hebrews. Let me see if I can just read it here. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. If you're on the edge today, and if you're clinging on by your fingertips to your faith, if life would feel easier without Jesus, you know, I'd be, I'd be better off, you know, I'd have a Sunday free. I'd have a two-day weekend like normal people. I wouldn't have the ignominy when people say, what have you done at the weekend? And, you know, I could go out and do X, Y. If you think that Christianity is blocking your path to other things and you just feel like it's frail and it's weak, remember that God gives you the strength to keep going. The Lord Jesus leaves us an example to follow and in his grace, he rewards us when we continue in our Christian faith. Do not give in. We might stumble and we might fall. Be like Derek Redman. At least I finished. So if this theme runs right through Hebrews, the greatness of the Lord Jesus, well, why would these people ever consider giving in? Why, why, why was their faith being tested? Why were they thinking about going back to, to Judaism, to the Jewish religion? Because we've mentioned all these great things, why Christianity is, is better than anything in the whole world. Well, there was pressure upon them. Now, in their life, there was acute pressure to, to kind of go back to being a Jew, right? And you can almost hear some of the Jews laughing, going, well, hey, we've got the Ten Commandments, and we've got Moses, and we've got Abraham, we've got the land, we've got the promises, we've got the sacrifices, we've got the priesthood, we've got the robes, we've got the curtain, we've got the gold and the angels looking over, we've got everything. Oh, and, and you've got a man that was nailed to a cross and bread and wine on the table. Great, yeah. Good luck with your Christianity, yeah. And these people were not just being mocked, but they were being put out of the synagogue. They were being put out of their homes and their families. They were under pressure. Come back to, to Judaism. Now, this pressure has never affected me as a Gentile from England, right? I have never felt any desire whatsoever to go and get a lamb and to kill it and offer it to God as a sacrifice. This does not appeal to me, and maybe most likely does not appeal to you, but the pressure upon us in 2022 is still very real to renounce our faith, to go back on the Lord Jesus. We are being, as Christians, we are being pushed, marginalized out of the normal things of society, and we are just weirdos. There is real pressure on Christians today to turn back on the Lord Jesus. There are three things that we are competing against as Christians, and you probably know them all off by heart. The enemies that we face on the Christian pathway, and they're real. You could probably all name them. The world, the flesh, and the devil. 
These are the pressures on you and I today. Maybe not pressures to conform to Judaism, but there are pressures externally all around you as Christians to give in. We must keep the faith. The world, the flesh, and the devil. The first verse you'll see is Romans 12. The world. Now the world, the pressure there is to conform. The world wants you and I to conform to its values and its standards. The Apostle Paul says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, I remember as a little boy growing up in North Shields, I used to love baking with my mum. And sometimes if mum was feeling lazy and I was being a little brat, if she couldn't be bothered to get all the baking stuff out, she'd go, let's make jelly. And you open the packet, cut, 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 pour on the hot water. Brilliant, right? Keeps me happy for 10 minutes. My mum had a really interesting bowl that we used to pour the jelly in, and it was all weird kind of shapes, right? And you'd put the jelly in the bowl, pop it in the fridge, and two hours later, you had jelly. It took the shape of the mold. Now, it was pointless, because as soon as you try and get it out with the spoon, it's just a big blob of jelly again. But nevertheless, that's the thought here being conformed to the pattern of this world, taking its shape, being molded, being pressed into the world's mold. And the Apostle Paul says, don't take on the pattern, the shape, the mold of the world. There is pressure on you today, if you're a Christian, to be pushed down into that mold and look like and sound like and feel like and act like everybody else in the world. Swim with the other fish. It makes life easy. The Apostle Paul says, don't be conformed. Don't be squashed into the world's mold. This is real pressure. He says, rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so as Christians, we go back to the book, to the scriptures, and we renew our minds again, and we focus on the Lord Jesus. So there's pressure to conform to the world. The second verse that we're going to think of here is the flesh. The world wants us to conform. The flesh wants to seduce us. These are real things. Now, Let's be real amongst each other today. The flesh is real. And the things that appeal to us, the lusts of this world, they are real things. Otherwise, they would have no appeal. We have to be honest about this. James reminds us that these things come from within. And sin and lust is there like a trap. The Bible speaks of it ensnaring us. And we see it and we want it and we lust and we go towards it. And it traps us and it ensnares us and it pulls us in. The world wants us to conform. The flesh wants us to be seduced. And thirdly, we have the devil. The devil wants to accuse us. This verse here, Revelation 12, it speaks of the devil as being the accuser of the brothers and sisters of the Christians. You may have heard of a phenomenon called imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is basically where you don't think you fit in and you're waiting to get found out. I have dreadful imposter syndrome. I walk into the office at work and I see all these super cool, high-flying, intelligent, younger-than-me people wearing skinny jeans and white socks with their jeans rolled up high, and I think, oh, I'm gonna get found out. I don't know anything about SaaS and software and technology, and all these people are geniuses, and my boss is gonna find out soon enough and I'll be out the door. I always feel like that. I felt like that this morning in a different way because the accuser was in my ear. 
You've probably had this if you're a Christian, where you're going to do something for God. And the devil goes, Matt Smith, if the people at Region could see you at home, if they could see what was in your heart and they could hear how you spoke to your wife or your children, if they could see what you did on that, he accuses me. And it makes me feel like this, and he probably does it to you as well, where the devil accuses, he says, you're not worthy of this calling. You're not good enough for Jesus. Throw in the towel now. There's all these other things on offer. The devil says, come and, come and see them all and taste them and enjoy them. We have to be on a God because the devil is there as an accuser. Now, I thank God the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. We have overcome in the Lord Jesus. The pressure is real from the world to conform, from the flesh to be seduced, from the devil to be accused. So, the verses that we read here, the writer says, so, remember who you are in Christ. That's the first thing the writer does. He brings to our attention who we are. Notice the, if you've got your Bible handy, the verses that we read, the way that Christians are described in these verses. Holy brothers and sisters with a heavenly calling. <sighs> nice. Okay. If you're a Christian, this is who you are in Christ. This is your identity today. Remember who you are. You are holy. Holy is a great word in the Bible. Remember God has said, you be holy because I am holy. Oh, that's hard. That's a, that's a high standard. I think I've mentioned this here before in, in other preachings, but holiness is really the thought is of being set apart for God. It's being separate. It's being other. It's being different. A bit like when the Apostle Paul says, don't be conformed to the world, be transformed. It's being different. It's being set apart. And, and it's always positive in the Bible, right? Being holy is positive. God has set you apart for purpose. You're a child of God. He wants you to be holy. And here's what the book of Hebrews says about holiness. It says, without holiness, you will never see God. Without holiness, you will never see God. Big, isn't it? It's big. Be holy, says God, for, for I am holy. When the world says sex outside of marriage is fine, God says be holy. And when the world says it's okay to get drunk, God says be holy. And it's okay to cheat on your tax return or your expenses at work or to tell lies, to cover up for people, to have slanderous thoughts, to not love each other as we ought to. God says be holy. Be different. Be set apart for me. Remember who you are in Christ. Number one, you are holy. Number two, the writer says you are brothers and sisters. Now remember the acute context here. Maybe for some of these people, their families had said, oh, turn on your back on everything you've been brought up with. You're out of the family. You're out of this temple. You're out of work. The society that these people lived in was often very closed and you're out on your own now. You're not one of us anymore. Now, I have never known the pain of family disowning me for my faith. 
or even having a problem with it. But for some of you here today, it's acutely painful and real. For these believers, it was really, really real. And whoever wrote this letter says, remember who you are in Christ. You are holy, but you've got a new family. We've seen it in earlier verses in this book. God is our father. The Lord Jesus calls us. Uh, he says that he is our, our brother. And here the writer says, you are brothers and sisters. This is huge. The support network that we need is, is here today. You are and can be a great support for other people in this room. It's a responsibility. Now, my wife Deborah's not here today, but I think she's watching on Zoom wherever the cameras are. And I did clear this with her first. I asked if I could share this little story. You wouldn't think it now if you met Deborah, but when she was a teenager, Deborah was going through a torrid time as a Christian. She was smoking, she was drinking, she was clubbing. She was fully entangled in all of the things that we have spoken about here today. And she was in a really severe car accident and the car rolled down a cliff and she damaged her spine. And for a long time, even now she still suffers and she's 42 and I think she was 18 when this happened. She suffered with pain and she was in bed for, for ages recovering. And guess what happened with all of her friends that she went out clubbing and drinking with? Nobody ever came to visit. Her Christian friends, even though she was broken and bruised and battered and useless spiritually, right? She was a wreck. Her Christian friends gathered around and showed her love and kindness. They showed practically to her the love of Christ. They filled that void that had been missing. God used that to speak to Debs, to bring her back to God, and it was painful and awful. And she would admit now she should have never been there in the first place. But your kind words as a brother or a sister to somebody here today, the teeniest gesture could be the difference for a brother or a sister who's just teetering on the brink. Let's be kind to each other and loving and supportive. Let's give each other the benefit of the doubt. I've seen so many shipwrecked Christian relationships through the years. We don't talk to them because 20 years ago, their auntie said this to my cousin about my friend. Dear me. The Bible says, older men, love them like it's your dad. Older women, like it's your mother. Younger men, like it's your brother. Younger women, like it's your sister. Let's be for each other that support to keep going. Remember who you are in Christ. You are holy, you are brothers and sisters, and thirdly, you have a heavenly calling. Oh, wow. Now, these Jews who had become Christians, their calling was very definitely earthly, right? All the stuff that they liked and they had that they would claim as precious. We've got the Ten Commandments, the pillars of stone, physical stuff, right? And we've got the sacrifices and the offerings and the temple and the priest. We've got all these things, earthly things. The promise to Abraham, a land flowing with milk. It was a land. You could get your map out and if you knew the exact coordinates, of course, which would make life very easy in the Middle East these days. If you could draw out the line and say, that's the land, it was physical and real. The writer here says, but you are people whose calling is heavenly. 
your citizenship isn't on earth. Now, here's an admission moment, right? I find this the hardest thing in, in my life. Those that know me, I work for a, a global, huge, big global company. And the culture is, is uh, interesting, right? And I work on the commercial side. And in layman's terms, you say sales. And it is just like brutal, come on. Numbers, 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 numbers. The only thing that matters in the world is numbers. It's money. And the environment is super competitive and testosterone driven. And it's like, how many cars have you got? What kind of cars have you got? How big is your house? How many holidays have you had this month? It's ridiculous. And I find myself being pulled in to that way of thinking. I, I'll admit that's, for me, that's hard. I find it difficult. The writer here is saying, what you've got in Jesus is better than anything you've ever had before. Why am I so concerned with stuff in this world when the writer says your calling is heavenly? My destination is heaven and my hope is heaven. My citizenship is there. I don't even belong here. The writer is saying, what you've had in the past, what you've got, it's nothing compared to Jesus. Remember who you are in Christ. You're holy, you're brothers and sisters, and you're called for heaven. And then the writer says, now fix your thoughts on Jesus, who we acknowledge as our high priest and our apostle. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. We're going to park that for a minute because it doesn't flow with the message. We've thought about who we are in Christ. We've been defined as holy and brothers and sisters and having a calling for heaven. Then the writer defines who the Lord Jesus is. He's your high priest and your apostle. Mm, interesting. High priest. What does a high priest do? Priest goes in, doesn't he? In the Bible, priest goes in to God, takes us into God's presence. The Lord Jesus is in heaven today, our great high priest. He allows us access to God through him. That's one of his wonderful ministries. A priest goes in and represents the people. An apostle, what does an apostle do? Well, the 12 apostles that were the pillar of the church, they went out. They go out with a message to preach good news, to convert people to Christianity, to tell them of the love of God. The Lord Jesus, he goes into heaven as our great high priest. He represents us before the throne of God. Amazing. He's our apostle. He came with a message from heaven itself to earth. I think Hannah mentioned that in her prayer. He came to this earth with a purpose, with a message, to call you and to call me to himself. Remember who you are in Christ. Remember who you've turned to. He's your apostle and your high priest. He's your savior. And in light of that, we have these great verses. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. The King James Version says, consider him. And it is a real deep consideration. It's like when you go to the Indian restaurant and it's like, Chicken tikka buna, chicken tikka balti, chef's special chicken tikka. And you're looking through, man, and you're considering all these options and they all sound tremendous. Consider him is like a whole new level. Be consumed with him and obsessed with him. Fix your thoughts on him. The thought I think here is of a, 
anyone seen Top Gun or Top Gun Maverick? You've probably all seen one of the two films, right? And it's, it's fighter jet pilots in America, the coolest guys in the whole world, even though they're all ancient. And when they go out to combat and they unlock the thing and they press the button and the missiles fire, they are heat-seeking missiles. And the ship, the, the aeroplanes that are flying out ahead of them, out of the back of the aeroplanes, there's all the fire and, and they're flying around. And the missile locks onto the heat signal and it follows the aeroplane wherever it goes. That's why they release those flares to try and take them off the tail. That's the thought here. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Lock onto him completely and consider him. Think about him. This battle that we are in, this race that we are running, the battle is in the mind. It says fix your thoughts on Jesus. Now here's a challenge. How much do you think about the Lord Jesus? Man, I tell you now, I would hate to write it down in seconds or in minutes every day and share it with you. How much do I think about the Lord Jesus who died for me? How much do I love him when he's given everything for me? How much is my thoughts taken up with the greatest of all? The battle goes on in the mind. Now Derek Redman, when he got round that 400 meter track, he probably had 250 meters to go. Now with a pulled hamstring or a torn hamstring, you can get round 250 meters. Physically it can be done. But his mind was the strong thing. See when he got up again and the camera panned to him and he was holding on to his dad and his mind, he was determined and defiant. I will not, not finish this race. I'm getting to the finish line no matter what. Three reasons why we need to be mentally strong as Christians. And you'll see Philippians 4 on the board. All these things that have virtue, the Bible says, think on them. Our minds can take us anywhere. Our minds are dangerous like that. We can be in the gutter. We can be in the filth of this world. And nobody would ever know any different. The Bible says all these things that have value. Who do they speak about? The Lord Jesus. Think on these things. The second verse from Colossians chapter 3. We're told here about to think on things that are above. Elevate yourself and your mind away from all of the things in the world that want to pull us down and take us from the Lord Jesus. Think on these things. And thirdly, Philippians chapter four, we are told the peace of God can guard our hearts and our minds. Christians today, guard your hearts and your mind and your ears and your eyes and your bodies from everything around you that wants you to conform to the world. Guard yourself from the very real things that are pulling us away from the Lord Jesus. Now time's running out. We're going to have to rattle through this last bit here. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Consider him. Because he was faithful, the writer says here. I think the tense is present. Because he is faithful. He is being faithful. And it, he's likened here to Moses. He's faithful just like Moses was faithful in all of his house. Why was Moses brought up? Well, again, remember the acute context. Jews become Christians. What did the Jews think of Moses? Well, if it was the dancing program, they'd go, Ten! Because Moses was the man. Moses was like, he brought us out of Egypt by the hand of God, and the waters parted, and we came through on dry land. He's a hero. 
Oh, the Jews loved Moses. They couldn't get enough of Moses. He was their great, great forefather. Rightly so. Moses was a real man of faith. And he guided them for 40 years in the wilderness. A million plus people whinging in your ear continuously. You go, all right, well, I see why Moses was brought up as a comparison, but was he really that faithful? You know, in, in Numbers 12, Aaron and Miriam didn't like a choice that Moses had made. And they turn against him. And God says to Aaron and Miriam and Moses, come out from the tent of meeting. And they come out. And God says, when I speak to this nation, I do it through various different visions and prophecies and different ways that I communicate to people. God says, but with Moses, I speak to him face to face because he's faithful. You bet your bottom dollar Moses was faithful. The God of all heaven meets with two people who've accused him and he says, this man is faithful. Yeah, Moses was uber faithful. He was the great example. And yet the Bible says, the Lord Jesus he was faithful to the one who appointed him. That's to God. So he was faithful to God. He's faithful to me. Christian, if, if you're struggling and you're just not sure you can stay the course, remember this. He's faithful to you as well. All of the time. He's faithful because he never changes. There's one thing. He's constant. Isn't the world around us at the minute insane? <laughs> It, it's crazy. Every time you read the news, you're like, what next could possibly go wrong? It's, it's bizarre. And yet he is just like this. The same forever. He's faithful to us. And he's faithful because he sticks closer than even a brother. He isn't turning his back on anybody here. The Bible speaks of a, a little fire, you know, a smoking reed. If there's just a little hint of life left in a fire, he'll fan the flames. He won't squash you out and extinguish you. He's faithful. And he's faithful because he loved you. And he died for you in agony on the cross. And so the verses here say Moses was faithful in all of his house as a servant. The Lord Jesus was found worthy of more honor than this. Because the one who builds a house is greater than the house itself. Moses was a brick in the house. The Bible says Jesus built the house. He made everything. He is the ultimate one. And it says we are his house if we hold fast our profession and the glory of that hope that is within us. Derek Redman, that famous athlete. <sighs> I may have finished last, but I finished. He finished. The Bible exhorts us as Christians, keep going. It may be brutal. And if it's not now, don't worry. It will be in the future at some point. We'll all be there. Keep your eyes, keep your thoughts, keep your mind on Jesus. Better than Moses. Better than everything they'd ever had before for us in 2022. Better than anything we've ever had. Better than anything we've ever got. Remember who you are in him. Remember who he is and what he's made you to become. Keep your faith in Jesus. And the last thing before Daniel comes up with the band. If you've never trusted in the Lord Jesus before as your saviour, 
He came as our apostle to speak out the truth of God. And the truth of God is, is basic and it's simple, but it's amazing. Every human being that's ever walked the earth, save the Lord Jesus, is broken in sin and lost in sin. We are under the curse of sin. The Bible says the payment we get for our sin is death. We need a savior. Jesus reaches down from heaven today and offers you salvation. He bore our sins in his body on the cross. Trust him. Turn from your sin and turn to him in faith. Be saved today. For those of us who've done that, cling on, because he's better than anything. Thanks, Daniel.